Chapter 3 of Leo Tolstoy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Leo Tolstoy by J.K. Chesterton and others. Tolstoy's Place in European Literature by Edward Garnett. The justness of the word great applied to a nation's writers is perhaps best tested by simply taking each writer in turn from out his age and seeing how far our conception of his age remains unaffected. We may take away hundreds of clever writers, scores of distinguished creators, and the age remains before our eyes, solidly unaffected by their absence, but touch one or two central figures, and lo, the whole framework of the age gives in your hands, and you realize that the world's insight into and understanding of that age's life has been supplied us by the special interpretation offered by two or three great minds. In fact, every age seems dwarfed, chaotic, full of confused tendencies and general contradiction, till the few great men have arisen and symbolized in themselves what their nation's growth or strife signifies. How many dumb ages are there in which no great writer has appeared? Ages to whose inner life and consequence we have no key. Tolstoy's significance as the great writer of modern Russia can scarcely be augmented in Russian eyes by his exceeding significance to Europe as symbolizing the spiritual unrest of the modern world. Yet so inevitably must the mainstream of each age's tendency and the main movement of the world's thought be discovered for us by the great writers, whenever they appear, that Russian can no more keep Tolstoy's significance to herself than could Germany keep Goethe's to herself. True it is that Tolstoy, as great novelist, has been absorbed in mirroring the peculiar world of half-feudal modern Russia, a world strange to Western Europe. But the spirit of analysis with which the creator of Anna Karenina and War and Peace has confronted the modern world is more truly representative of our age's outlook than is the spirit of any other of his great contemporaries. Between the days of Wilhelm Meister and of Resurrection, what an extraordinary volume of the Russian tide of modern life has swept by. A century of that liberation of modern Europe from the old routine has passed since Goethe stood forth for the awakening of the modern spirit. A century of emancipation, of science, of unbelief, of incessant shock, change and progress all over the face of Europe. And even as Goethe a hundred years ago typified the triumph of the new intelligence of Europe over the shackles of its old institutions, routine and dogma. As Matthew Arnold affirms, so Tolstoy today stands for the triumph of the European soul against civilization's routine and dogma. The peculiar modernness of Tolstoy's attitude, however, as we shall presently show, is that he is inspired largely by the modern scientific spirit in his search and analysis of modern life. Apparently, at war with science and progress, his extraordinary fascination for the mind of Europe 
lies in the fact that he, of all great contemporary writers, has come nearest to demonstrating, to realizing what the life of the modern man is. He, of all analysts of the civilized men's thoughts, emotions, and actions, has least idealized, least beautified, and least distorted the complex daily life of the European world. With a marked moral bias, driven onward in his search for truth by his passionate religious temperament, Tolstoy, in his pictures of life, has constructed a truer whole, a human world less bounded by the artist's individual limitations, more mysteriously living in its vast flux and flow than is the world of any writer of the century. War and Peace and Anna Karenina, those great worlds were the physical environment, mental outlook, emotional aspiration, and moral code of the whole community of Russia are reproduced by his art, as some mighty cunning phantasmagoria of changing life, are superior in the sense of containing a whole nation's life to the worlds of Gotha, Byron, Scott, Victor Hugo, Balzac, Dickens, Thackeray, Maupassant, or any latter-day creator we can name. And not only so, but Tolstoy's analysis of life throws more light on the main current of thought in our age, raises deeper problems, and explores more untouched territories of the mind than does any corresponding analysis by his European contemporaries. It is by Tolstoy's passionate seeking of the life of the soul that the great Russian writer towers above the men of our day, and it is because his hunger for spiritual truth has led him to probe contemporary life to examine all modern formulas and appearances, to penetrate into the secret thought and emotion of men, of all grades in our complex society, that his work is charged with the essence of nearly all that modernity thinks and feels, believes and suffers, hopes and fears, as it evolves in more and more complex forms of our terribly complex civilization. The soul of humanity is, however, always the appeal of men, from the life that environs, molds, and burdens them, to instincts that go beyond and transcend their present life. Tolstoy is the appeal of the modern world, the cry of the modern conscience, against the blinded fate of its own progress. To the eye of science, everything is possible in human life. The sacrifice of the innocent for the sake of the progress of the guilty, the crushing and the forming of the weak, so that the strong may triumph over them. The evolution of new serf classes at the dictates of a ruling class. All this 19th century has seen accomplished, and not seen alone in Russia. It is Tolstoy's distinction to have combined in his life work, more than any other great artist, two main conflicting points of view. He has fused by his art the science that defines the way humanity is forced forward blindly and irresponsibly from century to century by the mere pressure of events. He has fused with the science of our modern world the soul's protest against the earthly fate of men which leads the generations into taking ceaseless roads of evil which every age unwinds. Let us cite Tolstoy's treatment of war as an instance of how this great artist symbolizes the age for us and so marks the advance in self-consciousness of the modern mind 
and as a near approximation to a realization of what life is. We have only got to compare Tolstoy's Sebastopol 1856 with any other document on war by other European writers to perceive that Tolstoy alone among artists has realized war, his fellows have idealized it. To quote a passage from a former article, let us say that Sebastopol gives us war under all aspects. War as a squalid, honorable, daily affair of mud and glory, of vanity, disease, hard work, stupidity, patriotism, and inhumane agony. Tolstoy gets the complex effects of Sebastopol by keenly analyzing the effect of the sights and sounds, dangers and pleasures of war on the brains of a variety of typical men and by placing a special valuation of his own on these men's actions, thoughts and emotions, on their courage, altruism and show of indifference in the face of death. He lifts up, in fact, the veil of appearances conventionally drawn by society over the actualities of the glorious trade of killing men, and he does this chiefly by analyzing keenly the insensitiveness and indifference of the average mind, which says of the worst of war's realities, I felt so and so, and did so and so. But as to what those other thousands may have felt in their agony, that I did not enter into at all. Sebastopol, therefore, though an exceedingly short and exceedingly simple narrative, is a psychological document on modern war of extraordinary value, for it simply relegates to the lumber room, as unlifelike and hopelessly limited, all those theatrical glorifications of war which men of letters, romantic poets, and grave historians alike have been busily piling up on humanity's shelves from generation to generation. And more, we feel that in Sebastopol we have at last the skeptical modern spirit absorbed in actual life, demonstrating what war is, and expressing at length the confused sensations of countless men who have heretofore never found a genius who can make humanity realize what it knows half-consciously and consciously evades. We cannot help, therefore, recognizing this man Tolstoy as the most advanced product of our civilization and likening him to a great surgeon who, not deceived by the world's presentation of its own life, penetrates into the essential joy and suffering, health and disease, of multitudes of men. A surgeon who, face to face with the strangest of nature's law and the constitution of human society, puzzled by all the illusions, fatuities, and conventions of the human mind, resolutely sets himself to lay bare the roots of all its passions, appetites, and insensitives in the struggle for life, so that at least human reason may advance farther along the path of self-knowledge and advancing towards a general sociological study of men. Tolstoy's place in the 19th century literature is, therefore, in our view, no less fixed and certain that is Voltaire's place in the 18th century. Both of these writers focus for us, in a marvelously complete manner, the respective methods of analyzing life by which the rationalism of the 17th and 18th centuries 
and the science and humanitarianism of the 19th century have molded for us the modern world. All the movements, all the problems, all the speculation, all the agitations of the world of today in contrast with the immense materialistic civilization that science has hastily built up for us in three or four generations. All the spirit of modern life is condensed in the pages of Tolstoy's writings because, as we have said, he typifies the soul of the modern man gazing, now undaunted and now in alarm, at the formidable array of the newly tabulated cause and effect of humanity's progress, at the appalling cheapness and waste of human life in nature's hands. Tolstoy thus stands for the modern soul's alarming contact with science, and just as science's work after its first destruction of the past ages formalism, superstition, and dogma is directed more and more to the examination and amelioration of human life. So, Tolstoy's work has been throughout inspired by a passionate love of humanity and by his ceaseless struggle against conventional religion, dogmatic science, and society's mechanical influence on the minds of its members. To make men more conscious of his acts, to show society its real motives and what it is feeling, and not cry out in admiration at what it pretends to feel. This has been the great novelist's aim in his delineation of Russia's life, ever seeking the one truth, to arrive at men's thoughts and sensations under the daily pressure of life, never flinching from his exploration of the dark world of men's animalism and incessant self-deception, Tolstoy's realism in art is symbolical of our absorption in the world of fact, in the modern study of natural law, a study ultimately without loss of spirituality, nay, resulting in immense gain to spiritual life. The realism of the great Russian's novels is, therefore, more in the line with the modern tendency and outlook than is the general tendency of other schools of continental literature. And Tolstoy must be finally looked on, not merely as the conscience of the Russian world revolting against the too heavy burden which the Russian people have now to bear in holy Russia's onward march towards the building up of her great Asiatic empire, but also as the soul of the modern world seeking to replace in its love of humanity the life of those old religions which science is destroying day by day. In this sense, Tolstoy will stand in European literature as the conscience of the modern world. End of chapter 3. Read by Isam el-Arabi.